This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. The dance world has a complicated relationship with food. Plagued with pervasive body dysmorphia, our culture is often riddled with myths and negativity regarding our diets. We spoke with dietitian Suzanne Fisher about the dance world's unique problems with diet and what can be done to overcome them and maintain a healthy relationship with the food that fuels our art. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you are our first dietitian we've ever had on the show and for a show that so often um, brings up the issues of um, body dysmorphia and um, the way that dancers deal with eating, I think I couldn't think of a more appropriate guest. So thank you for, for joining us. You're so welcome. And thank you so much for having me. So we'll just go ahead and get started. We want to hear a little bit about how you got into this line of work. Um, so can you tell us about your journey to becoming a dietitian? Absolutely. Um, I did take class and danced just recreationally when I was younger, mostly ballet and like an, a lot of typical dancers had issues with um, some body image, um, with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And I'm very open and honest about that, that I did suffer from some disordered eating when I was younger as a teenager. And I graduated, oh my gosh, so many years ago, I'm afraid to even say when I graduated. You don't have to. But um, it was way before the internet was invented. But um, basically... I didn't even know that the profession of dietitian existed. And I was thinking to myself, well, I was in recovery and doing really well. And I just loved dance and food. And I was shocked to find out that there was actually a career that we, I could work with food. It was quite surprising. So I did a little research and discovered the feel of di dietetics and 
luckily my one of the colleges that wasn't too far in Miami was one of the best schools to get a degree in dietetics nutrition and I just went and applied and got in and it's just been history since then and um, I just love the field right. I just absolutely love it so you you were kind of drawn to it from a, the personal experience and you felt like yes. you could help other people not have to go through what you'd seen so many in the dance world experience Correct. I just felt also I could maybe help others to not make the same mistakes that I did, see food in a completely different way, in a healthier manner, view it as more fuel and not so much that it's damaging to your body or, or vilifying any specific food groups. And um, I like to bring that um, these ideas and concepts to younger dancers and just to even anyone who comes to me. I have so many clients who just, they're so afraid to eat. They're so afraid of gaining weight. Yeah. It's amazing. So we live in a world that perpetuates body dysmorphia, um, not even in just in ballet, but also in the pop culture that we consume. Uh, Do you find that dealing with a person's dietary needs, you first have to overcome that hurdle of the unreasonable expectations? You do. I mean, it's almost an oxymoron when you think about it for the ballet world. I mean, you have this body that you create such beauty with your bodies, correct? Mm-hmm. But then you're viewing it that it's so ugly and it's so fat and it's just you, if you feel so harmful and negative towards this beautiful instrument that's creating this beautiful art form and you know, we're not going to get away from the reality that unfortunately dancers do need to be thin. Mm-hmm. You must be thin in order to perform in your field. It's just a reality. Unfortunately, it's a reality for a lot of aesthetic-based sports like gymnastics and diving and, you know, wrestling. They're all aesthetic-based type of sports. And it's finding that fine line of teaching somebody that it's okay to be thin, but how thin? And... You know, unfortunately, research does show that ballet in particular can have a negative effect on body image because there is such a heightened self-focus and attention on our bodies. Um, You know, that's the rough fine line that we do that we, you know, come across. Right. So when a dancer first comes to you um, looking for help, what are some of the first things you discuss with them? It sounds like a lot of... um there's a lot of emotional and mental things involved. So how do you, do you start there with that before even going to talk about what exactly they're eating and that sort of thing? What's the first part of your process with dancers? Usually what I do is I do speak with them, um, about their day. Um, they'll tell me their emotions surrounding food. I do try to get the initially have them email me a food journal just so I can get an idea of what their day looks like. You know, I, the thing with them, and I know you guys know because your dancers, days crazy. And you don't have normal days. My regular clients, I should say, you know, my non-ballet clients, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. They're regular times of day. But right. I can't create meal plans or counsel somebody surrounding a schedule like that. It has to be created for an individual and for the crazy schedules that you guys lead. And we do get into a lot of the emotions surrounding food. A lot of the students that I've worked with, they're coming from other countries and there's so much emotion tied with that. All of a sudden they're teenagers and they're alone here in the United States to 
they're not familiar with our way of eating. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them do fall prey to um, unhealthy dietary intake. And then they get this negative response from the directors or from their teachers. And some of them, it's set, they start crying. And I do try to comfort them. And we work through some of the problems that way and find a solution so that it's not so much about the food. I do find with most people who have eating issues, it's never really about the food. Mm -hmm. It's always something underlying and they're using the food as just a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. What do you think some of the biggest misconceptions dancers have about food and how does that affect their relationship to eating both short and long term? I think that's a great question. I think a lot of dancers do vilify certain food groups. I remember back in the day when everybody was doing the low fat, Mm -hmm. you know, fat was the big enemy. Um, We couldn't eat any fat. It was the time of snack wall cookies once Mm -hmm. were considered to be a healthy food. So I think we go through periods where people are vilifying food. And again, I think it boils down to lack of education, not understanding that you can eat carbs right now. Carbs are just the bad guy. Right. And I think, I find that a lot of dancers are petrified to eat carbohydrates, but what I try to explain to them that carbs are the fuel that you're putting in your tank in order to be able to get through class, get through rehearsals, and you need to fuel properly. And a lot of it, again, and I'm going to repeat this probably a lot during this (laughs) session, it boils down to education. I think that's a lot that's lacking, especially at the school level. It's, it's severely lacking. And, you know, if you're a teenager and you're not being taught what carbs to eat or how to eat them or when to eat them and food timing, you're going to be a little lost and you're not going to know what to do. And you're going to think that there's something wrong and then they're making you fat, for example. Right. I'm just thinking, (laughs) bringing it to my personal experience, but just like as a, when I would try to kind of plan out my meals, um, for a day of dancing, like you talked, you were speaking earlier about, um, scheduling is so difficult. Like for us at Miami city ballet, we started at 10 and then we didn't, our lunch break was from two 30 to three 30. And then we went straight back into rehearsals. Like there's not even enough time to digest the food that you need in a way. I always felt. So then I would end up eating less at lunch. Like I tried not because yeah. I was like, I need to eat less food, but just because I didn't want to feel sick and gross. You don't want to feel too full. Exactly. But then at night I would be like famished and then, you know, and like that's not good for your body as well. So how do you um, suggest kind of incorporating really um, powerful snacks or, you know, with that have a good punch that you need throughout your day? Um to kind of make sure that you're partitioning your food out in a right way. So like you said, carbs are your fuel so that you're fueling your body the way you need for such a long day. That's a great question. Um, First thing I would recommend, start your day with a good breakfast. Mm -hmm. It's so imperative to, especially since class is starting at 10. So figure if you got up, let's say at 730 and ate a nice breakfast at eight, you're probably going to be, and I'm not talking about eating an 800 calorie humongous bacon eggs. I mean, we're talking about having some eggs and maybe some avocado toast or some oatmeal, definitely a nice mix of protein with carbs. It's going to fuel you through that class time Mm -hmm. because I know you guys are burning calories. It takes a lot to get through a ballet class. It's 90 minutes. Am I correct on that? Uh Uh-huh. 90 minutes. So you have to make sure that you are feeling properly. And I think you're right. Having the perfect amount of time prior to that class in order to digest, you're not feeling like you're going to be sick. Right. And 
am bloated through that class. I also recommend when I work with dancers to hydrate and start hydrating the night before. Hydrate in the morning before you go to class. So you are, I know you can't leave the classroom and go to the restroom in between. So you are able to, you know, take care of your bodily needs, but also see you're hydrated prior to entering that class. Now, this is some, some of the issues I did have when I worked with the students at Miami City Ballet School is a lot of them, again, they didn't have time to snack and they were very concerned. They were almost rushing to eat lunch. So we worked on a smaller lunch, almost like a, a larger snack like a wrap uh -huh. or a smaller sandwich, something that's easily digestible, that you're not going to feel heavily bloated, something that's not greasy or super high in fat, but that's easily digestible. And then one of the tricks I did with some of the dancers is I would recommend that they make a smoothie or a protein shake and put it in a swell bottle. Oh. I don't know swell bottles are. They keep your water cold or your liquids cold for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it almost looks like you're drinking water. No one has to know the protein shake in there, but almost sipping it throughout the rehearsals, throughout the classes for the remainder of the day. So you are fueling in small spurts throughout the day. And they loved that. And they can make it with coconut water. So they are getting some electrolytes and mm -hmm. some nice, you know, healthy carbs. What kind of protein do you suggest putting in there? Like yogurt or, or some like yeah. protein protein? That's a great, I actually do both. I am a big proponent of Greek yogurt. I, as long as somebody's not lactose intolerant, I love Greek yogurt. You'll put a spoonful of that in there. But again, protein powders are specific to the individual. I love pea protein. That's just something that I love. So anyone who's plant-based, you can definitely use pea protein. There's a lot of good brands out there. And I prefer unsweetened um, protein powders just because not having a lot of those artificial sweeteners and a lot mm -hmm. of um, other chemicals or preservatives in the food. And I usually sweeten it with frozen bananas, berries. You can add spinach in there and you could have a nice balanced um, protein shake. You can throw some avocado in for some heart healthy fats, some hemp, some hemp seeds, mm -hmm. nut butters. There's just a lot of different options out there that you could do to make a nice healthy shake and then sip it throughout those, you know, four hours, three, four right. hours, as long as it's staying cold and it's not going to spoil. Right. What are some of the ways that you will tailor a diet to an individual? Um, like what are some of the things that you look at before you go in deep with them? Number one is looking at their current eating habits. Mm -hmm. Very important to see what their eating habits are, specifically their likes, dislikes, any intolerances or any food allergies they may have, any personal issues they may have towards food that I may have to work on with them. Their schedules are essential to know because I could sit here, for example, and work with a dancer and counsel them in the same way I would counsel a mom who works nine to five. It's mm -hmm. not going to work. It's not realistic to give somebody who has a totally different schedule a meal plan. Sometimes meal plans don't work and we just work on little tips and tricks of how maybe not to mindlessly snack mm -hmm. or ways to swap one food for another. So again, it's very individualized once we meet together to see what their specific needs are. That's great. That sounds so helpful. I would have loved to have all this information. Um, I just love it. And I love seeing the light bulb go off over their heads mm -hmm. when they get what I'm talking about. It's And they 
email me later and tell me how I've changed their life oh, or how much better they feel. It's very rewarding. Yeah. And I'm, the work that you're doing with students, especially, because um, yes. it's such a vulnerable time for them. And also, I mean, like you mentioned, when you start um, cooking for yourself really for the first time and you're tired when you get home at the end of the day, it's great to have um, some help kind of planning that out. So one thing that we definitely wanted to touch on with you is the so-called fat talk that can come oh, from um, directors or teachers and how devastating that can be. So as a health professional, um, what are your reactions to hearing details of some of these interactions and how do you suggest the dancers deal with them? It makes me personally cringe. And I have heard this from some dancers and I did get referrals to counsel some dancers because directors, the teachers were feeling that they, maybe the dancers were getting a little heavier than was aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. for ballet. There was actually a guideline written. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the guidelines for professional dance companies, unhealthy nutrition. It was actually written by um, Dance USA Task Force on Dancers Health. And it's used by a lot of the top ballet companies in the world, throughout the world. Wow. Again, I'm not, and I could definitely give you guys a link to the guidelines. That'd be I great. Have, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can definitely email that to you. And I review the guidelines thoroughly and they really do state that there really aren't supposed to be fat talks per se. I know in reality it does happen, but directors are really supposed to foster more of a a healthy relationship with the dancers surrounding food. They're not really supposed to penalize them if they're not the thinnest dancer in the class or in the company. I know this isn't reality, but this is what is supposed to be happening. And I have had students tell me that they feel that maybe they were overlooked for roles. Again, do I know if that's really true? No, but this is their feeling and you can't, you can't negate their feelings. They feel that maybe they were passed over for roles or for promotion based on their weights and it can be devastating. And again, I think a lot of it is education. And I do think that education needs to come into play with the teachers and the directors of how do we approach these students and these ballet dancers in a healthy manner and maybe learn how to, how to even respond when you come across a dancer who may be just to have disordered eating. And they do need to understand the signs especially of the athlete triad. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the athlete triad. No. It's a, it's a, um, it's a three, it's three steps of what health professionals look at when they're looking at disordered eating. And it's not only in ballet dancers, it's pretty much could be long distance running again, gymnastics, ice skating, any aesthetically based sport. And we're looking at low bone density, inadequate intake, and also irregular menstrual cycles, which are all put, these are all for female dancers, obviously, um, puts a dancer at risk for, you know, potential for disordered eating. Right. I think that, you know, the directors and teachers really need to be very aware. And I, I do have to give Miami City Ballet School props because a lot of times I did get referrals Good. for I, for dancers that they felt were potentially at risk and that they felt were getting too thin. And I got, I have to give them props for that. And I did refer out for a couple of them. They were above what I was able to provide for them. And, um, 
you know, I, I wish there was, I had more to say and I wish there was something I could do to change this. But unfortunately, the reality is, is it, is it going to change? Probably not. Well, it sounds like just the ability to make a referral to yeah. nutritionist makes, yeah, that makes just so much more sense. And also, as you're talking about this, there's the flip side of the coin too, mm-hmm. that we've um, heard of happening where someone is, ha- does have an eating disorder mm-hmm. and then they try to counter that by being like, well, we're not going to put you on stage until you gain weight. But then that's also, especially for someone that's a mental illness, yeah. you know, like that's part of it is in their head and they're not okay. And then that really takes them off the deep end. We've talked um, to one dancer about that on the podcast. Actually, it was so fascinating to hear her just be like how terrifying that was for her because there was no support. She wasn't going into it um, from a supported place of like, how can I get back to a healthy weight but still be thinking in the right way? Yeah, part of the guidelines do talk about how to deal with a dancer who they do feel possibly has anorexia, bulimia, or any type of disordered eating. And one of the main aspects was to refer out to mental health counselors, to list a nutritionist. And the guidelines do state that in order for the dancer to come back into the company, that I I believe part of the guidelines do state that they do keep their jobs, which I think is important. They should lose their job. It's a mental illness. Mm-hmm. But they do still have to undergo weekly counseling and make sure that they are still seeing somebody because I think it's so important. Unfortunately, eating disorders, and I could speak to this just from my own personal experience, it's hard to overcome that and a lot of the feelings of body dysmorphia they really don't go away right you almost have to fight it on a daily basis to get to say wait stop i'm really i really look at this way and i need to stop and kind of halt those feelings Mm -hmm. and the way to really do that is to get the is to go speak to a credentialed professional Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of Ballet companies either have in-house dietitians, physicians, mental health counselors that they work with. Um, I know with Miami City Ballet, it's more of a consulting basis for the dietitians. And I do meet with them virtually if they do need to speak to somebody. But I think that in most large companies, there are resources that are provided to the dancers. Right. So speaking of virtual nutrition counseling, can you tell Mm -hmm. us about your own? um, Absolutely. Yeah. And how how you uh, get how dancers can get in touch with you and what special you are offering our listeners. Oh yes, absolutely. I, my website is called Fisher nutrition systems and I offer a couple of different services. I do one-on-one counseling through virtual, through virtual nutrition. We could do through Skype or through zoom. I do not take insurance, unfortunately. So sorry for anyone who does have insurance. I don't accept insurance. But I, my rates are really, I think, are pretty reasonable for what's out there. Um, and I also have meal planning software where dancers or anybody really can go on and log on. I have tons of different meal planning templates. I actually have one that I specially designed with dancers in mind. It's called Feed Your Inner Dancer. Oh, okay. And it's mainly based around eating anti-inflammatory foods. I love that. 
Oh, it's so, oh, it's, a, I always try to do that. <laughs> it's so good for you because if you think about it, you guys are putting so much pressure on your bodies and you're really beating your bodies down all day. And it really focuses on anti-inflammatory foods, a lot of phytonutrients, fiber, lean proteins, definitely foods that are going to feed that inner dancer in all of us, but it's perfect for a professional, a professional dancer, any professional athlete out there. But, um, you don't have to sign on with me to have access to that program. You can absolutely just go on and join. It's just a monthly fee and you have access to my mobile app and you can log your meals if you want. And I'm going to be offering your listeners a 15% discount using the code COD15, conversation on dance 15. And there will be a meal prep 101 guidebook ebook that is available for free download as well. So I think that'll be really helpful of how do we prep our meals. And I know you were saying that after a long day of rehearsals and performance and class, what do you do? How do you come home? Do you pop open a lean cuisine? It gives you a lot of tips on how to pre-prep your meals and super easy ways of how to use some things that you can buy, let's say, for example, at Trader Joe's, and you can use those in your everyday life that are actually healthy and make great, healthy, well-balanced, varied meals. This is wonderful. This is going to be so relevant to so many of our listeners. We have so many young dancers who um, who are invested in the show. So I think that um, people will definitely be taking you up on that offer. And uh, Rebecca and I are jealous you weren't around for our early days. <laughs> but maybe we still need you. We might have to talk about that. You can that. call me anytime. <laughs> I will now you have my Skype, so you can Skype me. I'm literally on Skype all day, every day. So you awesome. can Skype me whenever you want. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think it's such an important thing. And I, I just hope that, um, you know, directors and company and com- the companies and directors start realizing – I know that, you know, the end goal is to get out there and put on a beautiful performance, but in the end, we're all just human beings. Mm-hmm. We have feelings and sometimes what you say can so affect mm-hmm. and just be the straw that broke the camel's back almost and just send someone on that downward spiral. And it's just finding that fine line of you know, how to talk to a dancer and how, how a dancer can learn to cope with their everyday life. Cause I've never been in a company, but I could only imagine the stress that you guys are under on a daily basis. It's hard. <laughs> it's a hard life. Well, that's a beautiful uh, note to end on. So thank you so much. And we hope everyone will uh, definitely check out your website and we'll um, be sure to have it listed um, and in the descriptions of this episode on iTunes. So you guys can find it easily. Thank you so much, Suzanne. We really appreciate having you here. You are so welcome. And thank you so much for having me. And if you ever need any more information, feel free to reach out. Will do. Thank you. For more information on Suzanne and the services that she provides, please check out the information section of this episode on iTunes or our website. Thank you for joining us this week on Conversations on Dance. To stay up to date on everything happening on the podcast, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe now on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.